Good morning. Acts chapter 12, if you would take your Bibles and turn with me there. As we look at an incredible reminder of how we are to, an intricate part of how we are to do church. All of those people that regularly do missions moments, I want to thank you. That's really hard. I would rather preach like 81 messages for every missions moment. Uh, but thank you for those of you that regularly do that. Um, Acts chapter 12, our text will be verse 1 down through verse 11. We'll read it in just a moment. Let's first bow our heads and ask for God's help as we learn this morning. Lord, as we come into your presence... We want to express our gratitude for all that you have done for us. Lord, I think even of this past week, as it has been a warm week, we have seen the beauty of your creative hand all around us. Lord, by allowing us to come into your house on on this day to worship you freely, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for health and strength that you give to our bodies physically that allow us to come to walk into these, into this room to sit. We thank you, Lord, for ears. And I just pray, Lord, that you would open up all of our ears, my, my own included, that we would hear from you. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you directly when perhaps for some, perhaps, Lord, for many, hearts are heavy. People who are here this morning may be worried, living in in fear, concerned. Lord, Lord God, I would ask that you would minister in a fresh way, that you would give to us a, a new visitation of yourself, that we, Lord, would know that what is happening here brings glory to the name of Jesus. And Lord, it is his name that we celebrate It is the work of Jesus that we are so grateful for because if it were not for Jesus, there'd be no reason to even get up in the morning. We thank you, Lord, most of all, for offering your son, Jesus Christ, to die in the place that we deserve to offer us forgiveness, newness, and purpose. Father, we ask, Lord, for this community that you would be with men who are preaching faithfully the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would equip and empower, that you would allow us to support and encourage and to love. I pray, Lord, for those that are caught, ensnared, imprisoned in darkness and in sin, in habits, in addictions, God, that in your unique and special and powerful way, you would work in the lives of many and you would free them so that together we can worship you. We ask, Lord, that you'd be glorified in this time together. In your name we pray. Amen. The book of Acts, the gospel just continues to go global. It's really what this book is about. The gospel going global. It gets big. The gospel we know is is the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want you to pause for a moment on that name, on that one, on that person, Jesus. 
throughout Scripture, we are given indications of who He is through some of the names that He has been given. Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Jesus Christ, He is the living water. He is the way. He is the door. It's Jesus Christ. We gather in His name and we celebrate the fact that He alone is the Good Shepherd. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ is the Lion of Judah. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and He is the end. Jesus Christ took our place. He fought our battle He forgives our sins, and presently He intercedes for us. That's Jesus, the Christ. I greet you this morning in the name of Jesus, and we have to pause and we have to remember Him more than anything else. Whatever we do at church, it comes second to focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. It is Jesus who offers hope for those that are hopeless. It is Jesus Christ who who cares and nurtures and strengthens the hurting and the starving and the thirsty, the lame, the sick by offering Himself for us. The message of Acts is all about the name of Jesus going global. It is getting big. Acts chapter 12, we have this incredible narrative. I want you to follow along to this story. I want you to look for some of the details that we can learn from this morning. Here it is. About that time, this is Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread, or the Passover. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door with guarding the prison, were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, and he woke him up, saying, Get up quickly! And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out 
And they went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. There is a story here for us. Begin to focus. I, 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 I read a poll recently. The poll said that 99% of people are sick and tired of polls. <laughs> I just think this is really funny. Because I'm just so sick of numbers. Forgive me. I was actually reading an Aris poll. This is truthful. Aris, the American religious Identification survey. Boring. This is what it says. 76% of America calls themselves a Christian. That's more than three out of four people in America call themselves a Christian. In that same Aris poll, 51% consider themselves to be born-again Christians. Now think about it. Last week we were together by way of quick review and we talked about this church in Antioch that we are modeling, following their example. It is in Antioch that they were first called Christians, ones like Christ, behaving exactly as Christ behaved. Think about those numbers in light of the fact does that mean that the majority, as these are majority numbers, truly are living in such a way that they deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow Jesus? Is that really how they're living? I have discovered that most people simply think that if you go to church, just if you like, if you walk through the door of a church and sit down, then that, that, that somehow quantifies you, it qualifies you to be a Christian. What does it do in that case? It emphasizes the church over Christ. And there's a great mistake with that. Because it really turns into what has happened today. That, that it's all about what is, what is hip and hot for the church. If a church is going to be successful, then it's got to add what? It's got to add something new all the time. There's got to be a new program, a new promotion, a new plan that we're pushing, a platform or a prop, some expensive production in order to, to draw people in today. It's not a surprise to read and hear of churches today that have movie theaters inside of the church for, for, for entertainment, to have climbing walls and rock climbing and coffee shops and bounce houses and churches that offer yoga. I read recently about a church that actually brought in a helicopter and it was hovering, and then it dropped messages and Easter eggs for Easter out. And I, and I kind of like that idea a little bit, in all honesty. But I thought, we're not necessary. we don't have to do that. We don't have to. Well, there's such a focus on, on the externals, on the touchables and the tangibles. We're actually missing out spiritually on what the church is, is to be. The church in America today, spiritually, we have got to wake up. I, I talk to pastors all the time. Matter of fact, Thursday, I, I had lunch with six pastors, all ministering here in this community, right in the Lock Haven area. 
No one will disagree. No one will argue with the fact that general consensus of the church in America needs to what? Waken up and return to the purpose that it was designed. Return to the purpose that it was ordained by God to do. Now, without a doubt, in some exceptional places, God is blessing. But the vast majority of, of denominations, regardless of denomination, majority of churches are not seeing the evangelistic growth. Which means what? More people need to hear of the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. That's really what has to happen. Enough fluff. More people need to repent of their sins and determine to follow Christ. As, as one of his disciples. So, so what are we to do? A lot of church growth gurus that are out there are finally admitting what many people have felt for a long time. If there is growth in particular pockets or particular places, it really comes more down to the fact that people are just moving from church to church to church. And, and that may very well happen on occasion. There may be legitimate means to leave one church and go to another. If people are not being led and fed spiritually, I encourage you, you need to make sure that you are being led and fed spiritually. We've even had to do that as a family. I know many of you have. But let let me tell you this. That does not cause the angels to rejoice. Angels rejoice when sinners come to repentance. That's the purpose of the local church. What, What are we to do? I was chatting with a couple years ago when we were ministering up in New England. They moved to New England from Northern Virginia. In the community knew, and I found out that they were believers, and I went to see them. And, and by their own description, they said this, that, that they wanted to take a break from the local church. That was intriguing to me. I asked them why. Why is it that you want to take a just, just stop coming? Why is it that you want to take a break from the local church? They said this, and I actually asked, can I write this down? They said this, and I quote, It seems that all the church cares about is itself. They don't care about the lost, the dying, and the needy in the community around them. It seems as though the church has lost its purpose. You know, I I have to agree with that particular couple. I don't necessarily agree that we just take a break from the local church, but I have to agree that much of what is going on it's just we've lost our purpose. So what are we to do? We return to the biblical model that has been given to us. We return to the model that is described here in the book of Acts. And we closely examine the reliable truth of Scripture, examine our own hearts and see where what the two connect, where we apply it. In this text, in Acts chapter 12, it is a perfect example of how what the power of a holy and infinite and sovereign God is accessed in the local church. And it is through prayer. It is through fervent and frequent prayer. Now, although this is what, 2,000 years ago, first century Middle Eastern culture, God's Word transcends culture, it transcends time, crosses those barriers. It is perfectly applicable for you and I today. Have realized that whenever you read and learn about Christians in the book of Acts, they are forever enjoying the blessing of the power of God. All, all the way through it. It's just as if they are basking in it all the time. 
They, they didn't have what we have today. They don't have a lot of the, the blessings that we, they did not even have a completed scripture. It wasn't entirely written yet. They didn't even have that. And yet God is still at work. They still, what, according to Acts chapter 17, were able to turn the world, the community that they were living in, turn the world upside down. How is that? I I believe they understood something that as many times, I think we still have a hard time of understanding it. They, They got something, they relied upon something that we still fail to rely upon. They were dependent upon someone that oftentimes if we have the choice, we'll choose to trust ourselves as opposed to trust a holy God. And that is what, it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. It's access through frequent and fervent prayer. One of the distinguishing character traits of the early church, particularly um, um, the apostles that they modeled when it comes to prayer, Whenever the apostles gathered and they sat listening, learning from the foot of Jesus, from the words of Jesus, they sat right in front of him. They didn't ask, Lord, just teach us. How, how do we do this preaching thing? How, how, do we, how do we really plan and promote and push a new program? They never asked that. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Lord, please teach us how to pray. They knew they were going to learn how to pray. If Big Woods needs to concentrate in an area in order for us to move forward, I believe we've got to do better in this. We've got to do better in this area. So here it is. In our text, Acts chapter 12, one of the first major crises the church faced, what was the stoning of Stephen, the martyrdom of Stephen in Acts chapter 8. Now second is what? It is the martyrdom of the apostle James. Who's this James? This is the James. James, the very first one who followed Jesus. He was the first disciple. James and John, sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John that enjoyed, what, the transfiguration? This is that James. He's like the big James. Killed by the sword, probably beheaded. First one, what, to follow Jesus. First disciple to be martyred for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that James. Here it is. They could, they could hardly get James buried. When Peter is imprisoned, he is arrested. Peter, who for all apparent purposes is the leader of the entire church. Now, I am quite certain that members of this local church were beginning to say, what in the world is going on? They're not just, they're just not, not taking anyone. Okay. They're taking top tier leaders. What's going to happen to us? they just going to knock them off one by one. Where will we be then? What do we do next? Now, you need to understand that it is Herod's. Herod, who is this Herod? There's several Herods throughout the New Testament. They are all of the Edomite family. They're descendants from Esau, Jacob and Esau, descendants from Esau. This is not Herod the Great. Okay, Matthew chapter 2, when all the babies were murdered. That's not Herod the Great. 
Okay, this is not Herod Antiochus, the one who tried Jesus. Herod Antiochus was the nephew of Herod the Great. This is Herod Agrippa I. It's actually the grandson of Herod the Great. The reason that his father did not reign was because his grandfather, Herod the Great, murdered his own father. This is the kind of family that we're working with. Think of that. Father murders son because he doesn't want what? His own son to take the throne. This is, this is what we're talking about. It's this Herod, the grandson who has witnessed and watched this, losing grip of his reign, is doing anything to keep what? The Jewish people happy. It's this Herod. Herod probably would have what? Done exactly the same thing that he did with James, with Peter, but the calendar apparently got into his way. It happened to be Passover week, and so Herod had to, in a sense, lock him up and wait for the next normal business day. Apparently, he was kind of fussy about murdering innocent Jewish people on Jewish holy days. So there's a little bit of a time. So what is the church going to do? The same thing that churches do today when they are faced with a crisis. They call a meeting. It's a different kind of a meeting, though. For some reason, I don't know what it is, churches, church circles, denominations love meetings. I got a, I got a call recently. And I don't know if we can mute this or not. But anyway, just good people, good people doing really good things. And they asked me, apparently they don't know me very well, but they asked if I would serve on the committee of committees. And I said, really? That was my response. That's why we have a youth pastor. I said, Nick, I got a job for you to do. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't entirely get that. Churches just love to meet. And, and in this particular setting, they call a meeting, but instead of what? Well, let's just discuss it further. No, they didn't do that. Instead of voting to see whether or not this is a legitimate crisis or not. Okay? Instead of having a meeting, putting together a crisis management team. That's what we need to do. No, they didn't do that. Instead of calling a meeting together to, to design placards so that they can hold them up and, in what protest that you need to free this innocent man, they didn't do that either. They called a meeting. Verse 5, if you circle a verse for the entire text... This is the one. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but... Oh, I love these next words. Earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. There's our lesson. Oh, there's our lesson. You know what this, you know what this church did? called a meeting and they wrestled in prayer. That's what they did. Why? Why do they pray? Well, they pray apparently for him. There's the purpose. For him. For who? For Peter. Peter needed a miraculous deliverance. Well, what kind of a miracle is needed? Four squads 
of soldiers on one man. Apparently they remembered the last time. Let me read to you. Let me read to you what MacArthur says in his commentary. Meanwhile, Peter remained in prison. While they're praying, Peter remained in prison, securely guarded by four squads of soldiers, likely because they remembered the last time he escaped. Chapter 5, verse 19. These squads, consisting of four soldiers each, rotated to watch on Peter. At any given time, two were in the cell with him, chained to him, and two more were stationed outside the cell door. Peter was definitely in the maximum security wing of Agrippa's prison. This early church account, this model that is given to us from the book of Acts, knew when we gather together, we have to focus, we have to focus on one thing. This is not the time to pray for Aunt Edna's sore back, okay? I'm not saying that Aunt Edna is not important, wasn't the time for that. This is not the time to pray for Johnny's missing calico kitten. That's important. But sometimes there are other things that rise to the top and say, we focus on this. There is one of us who needs deliverance. Do you realize that every single day, you talk to people, you live next to people, you ride the bus with people, You talk on the phone to people who are locked in the prison of their own sin. They're chained. They're in bondage. They walk every day in darkness and in blindness. They behave like the world. They're destructive to themselves and to others. Why? Because they don't realize that they are in prisons. It's the world that we live in. We are to follow the example that is given. We, just like this church, are to focus our prayers for praying what? In this particular case, it was one of their own in prison, literally, physically. But we have the opportunity every single day to pray for those who are in prisons in the bondage of their own sin. God performs miracles in releasing people from the chains the bondage of sin all the time. Why were they praying? They're praying for that one who was in bondage. Where, where, secondly, are their prayers focused to God? Focused on God. Realize this, out of just simple fear, frustration, what's going on? They could very easily have turned their focus away from God. They could very well be discouraged here. James is dead. Peter's imprisoned. It looks, it looks pretty bleak. Maybe God has forgotten us. Maybe God has abandoned us. Maybe God is too busy for us. They, they could have focused on something else, just like many other people do. But instead of what, instead of returning to the previous lifestyle, instead of returning to, to false idols, instead of lighting candles and putting hope in man, instead of rubbing Beads or, or, or thrashing on themselves or cutting or beating themselves. They get on their knees, they bow their heads in earnest prayer that is directed to God and to God alone. Why? Because they knew that He was the only one who could help in desperate situations. Let me ask you this do, do, you, do you do that? 
when, when faced with crises, when you are afraid, when you are worried about what? A friend or a colleague or a classmate that is, that is lost, that is in bondage, to pray for them first and foremost before anything else, do you regularly and fervently pray for the neighbor? Where are we to focus our prayers? On God. Where are we to focus our prayers? On God, because He alone can answer prayer. And He specializes. I love this. He specializes in miracles. This, this story right here, this is nothing less than a miracle. There's 16 men. Literally, they are chained to him. It is such a wild, it is such a big story that Peter himself, now Peter has what? Raised people from the dead through the power of God. He has healed people. Peter himself thought this must be a dream. I love this. Slap them. Wake them up, Peter. Get your, get your gear. We're good to go. This is, this is the God that we pray to. Sometimes I feel that we pray like, something is so tiny. It's like, God, maybe if you just help me to have a smile on my face today, that really, really... No, we pray big stuff. God is a God who, what, there's no limits to Him. With God, nothing is impossible. That's the way that we move through life. Every day we move through life. In that fashion, in that form. That's what we need to be doing. Where we focus, we focus on God. How how do we pray? It says that they pray as a church. They pray by the church. What does this speak of? Special emphasis here on this word, this, this group. You know what it talks about? Love this. It talks about their unity. What I call oneness of heart. Together, together, together. They cry out with a unified voice, without doubting, wondering, or wavering, for God to show his power and to answer them. Remember, just just like any church, just like our church here today, it is filled with what? An eclectic, wild, may I even use the term weird blend of personalities? That is just so cool. There's differences out there. We have different likes and dislikes and we solve problems different ways, but there has to be a unified spirit. That's what exists right here. So every single evening, they're gathering in clusters, perhaps homes throughout the entire city, scurrying around the shadows. To get together, stay up all night, crying together to the Lord. Lord, we, we lost James. We can't lose Peter. Our eyes are on you. We are fixed on you. We need your hand. We, we need your power. Physically, they could not get to him. They could not break through to him. They could not free him. But what is unreachable physically is always accessible spiritually. Because prayer alone moves the hand of God. I love this quote. I've told it to you in the past. I'll probably tell it to you in the future. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. The tiny little nerve that moves the muscle of 
omnipotence. This church got that. A couple weeks ago, we presented the elders and I a vision as far as where we need to be going in the future. I tell you what, that's a lot, God. We, we can't do this on our own. I'll tell you what we can do is we can be committed to prayer just like this church was and watch God do what He does best. I honestly believe that we miss out on all kinds of blessings because we are not taking God at His word. He has never changed. He never will. It seems that we have moved a long way. The church has moved a long way. How are we to pray? We pray as one. Just like this church. Unified in the Spirit of God. In closing, I stand before you examining the entire church in 21st century America. Examining our own flock right here. Examining my own heart. Saying that we need, I believe we need, a fresh visitation of the Holy Spirit of God with a purpose for God to be accessed in prayer so that what? Not not that we get like warm chills and thrills, tingly feelings. No. So what? The Holy Spirit works through us, empowering what? The church to do what we're designed to do, and that is share the gospel for others to be freed from the bondage of sin. It's really the acid test of any church as far as what we are doing, what we should be doing. The only way that we break through the hardened hearts of those in the world around us to see the chains of sin and bondage come off is to be attacking the Lord in, in prayer. And I say that in the most gracious way. A reminder from Scripture to ask, how are you doing personally? Dads, leading your homes. Start there. Husbands, leading your wives. As a family, first thing that we face, what do we, what do, we do? What do we do? We, let's pray about this. Elders, leading this body in prayer. Pastor, leading body in prayer. We need to examine. We need to see what needs to happen differently. Following the model that God has given to us. And watch God's incredible hand of blessing. Watch God's incredible hand of blessing. Move amongst us. Move in this community. If you have a desire to learn more, to grow more, perhaps you're stuck. It, it, it feels somewhat stagnant or stale. I just pray. It's like the same old, same old. Make sure you speak to me. Pull one of the elders, anyone aside. Talk with them. We'll pray with you. We want to make sure that we understand what we're called to do, how we do it, so that God is glorified through this local church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much 
for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you give to us a means to come to you. Lord, just as, as there was an incredible miracle performed, we know, Lord, that you today are never to be boxed or limited with anything. God, we would ask, Lord, that we would understand our role in, in focusing our attention on you very specifically as one voice, praying for your perfect will to be accomplished. Help us, Lord, to, to learn from this example and grow from it. And we pray, Lord, for those that we know that are locked in the bondage of sin, that we would, we would pray for them, for you to draw them unto yourself, to free them. We ask this in your Son's name.